Hi, everyone, and welcome to the American Constitutionalist. I'm Jeff Tokar, your host, and with me is Cliff DeCamp. The American Constitutionalist's main purpose is to defend and champion a return to the original intent and meaning of the United States Constitution. In addition, we at the American Constitutionalist are not afraid to mix politics and religion because we believe in America, they're inseparable. America was built as a Judeo-Christian nation and history proves it. Yet even though we were built on the Christian principles of the Bible as a Judeo-Christian nation, our founding fathers and framers of our constitution still left you with the freedom of choice in religion. Now, Cliff, I know uh, July is a special month to a lot of people. Um, to me, it's a very special month for many reasons. It, it, it's the downslope to me to the second half of the year. But the biggest thing is, is that we've got uh, the 4th of July celebration at the beginning of the month. And some people really don't realize how important that is. And we at the American Constitution know our United States Constitution and freedom is being assaulted from within and without our nation. And now is the time for us to stand and fight for the Constitution, liberty and freedom or face losing it forever to a progressive, euphoric, narcissistic, socialistic mentality sweeping our country and our government. And I don't think we have the patriots that we had in the last several decades that really stood up for America. Those men and women who fought in World War I and especially World War II when the world was really at threat of losing freedom to Adolf Hitler and in the Japanese imperial uh, military. So these are things that I think we need to really reflect on sometimes because in 1776, 56 men were in a room at Independence Hall in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It was there that they signed the Declaration of Independence to free the colonies from under the yoke of England. That event laid the foundation for the birth of the great American Republic. Immediately after signing the Declaration, there weren't no shouts of joy in the rumor celebratory gunfire in the streets, but it was rather a solemn silence of what they had just done. They were the first American patriots who knew by signing that document, they were risking their fortune, their property, their family, and ultimately their own lives. Without their heroic actions, we'd have nothing to celebrate as a nation on the 4th of July or any other date. Now I wanna to read to you two paragraphs out of the Declaration of Independence. First is the opening. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And as I just read about the sacrifice they made and the solemn attitude that was in that room and them knowing what they actually did, I wanna read the last sentence. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Those men in that room knew what they were doing. And they were birthed out of the beginning of this nation, a nation that was a Judeo-Christian nation, that was founded on the principles and precepts in God's holy word. And they knew that that foundation had to be built for us to be a just and moral society. But yet they knew the risk they must take for us to be completely free from the monarchy in England and other things that were going on at the time. And so, Cliff, 
as we look at this midpoint of the year, I call it and celebrate the month of July 4th and the independence of this great nation. I want us to take a moment to reflect. I know all the celebration and the parades are all over now, but I want us to take this time, now that that's all cleared out of the way, to really focus and reflect on the Declaration of Independence. Yes, we had the Mayflower Compact, the Declaration of Independence, then we went into the, the Articles of Confederation, then to the United States Constitution. But this document, there were American patriots who risked it all for us to have the freedom that we have today. Yes, it's um, um, it's interesting. I've uh, spent some time recently looking at the background of some of the signers of the uh, Declaration of Independence, and it, it uh, there's some some people that you've obviously heard of. You know, John Hancock, John Adams, Samuel Adams. Uh, you know, those guys were from Massachusetts, uh, but they're, you know, uh, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, you know, from Virginia and Pennsylvania. So we know the backgrounds of some of these people and they became um, even larger figures after the signing of the Declaration of Independence. But then there's a, a lot of, of the 56 signers um, are not that well known. And so I'm going to tell you about a, the story of uh, Matthew Thornton who came from uh, New Hampshire to be part of um, the Continental Congress and to, uh, you know, give uh, his uh, input on the on the Declaration of Independence and what he did afterwards. So, you know, he, he came uh, to uh, Philadelphia as a physician from the state of New Hampshire or from the colony of New Hampshire, I guess, at that point. He wasn't able to uh, be in Philadelphia at the time that they actually um, approved it. So they approved it basically as a group in July of 1776, but he wasn't granted permission from New Hampshire to sign it until afterward in November. So New he was waiting for New Hampshire to tell him what to do. And he was you know, fortunate enough that the Continental Congress said, you know what, even though you you weren't able to do it in July, we're going to grant you permission to sign it now. Right. And um, so he continued to uh, practice medicine after he had signed it. He didn't go into the Revolutionary Army. He didn't serve in that capacity. He served as a um, physician, and uh, you know he did obviously you know assist in taking care of people from the New Hampshire militia. Uh, up until 1779. And then he goes on to do things like he became a judge. He's not an attorney, but he became a judge at some point. And he uh, also was in state government, but never became a member of the House of Representatives, never went to the federal government, et cetera. Um, and so he just, you know, basically lived out his life uh, in a fairly simple fashion. Um, but, you know, what he did as being part of the uh, signing of the Declaration of Independence, he clearly was putting his life, um, his uh, liberty, and his fortune at risk, and his family, um, if the British wanted to retaliate in some way, because they really truly were out there looking for all of the people who had signed the Declaration of Independence. Now, <clears throat> there's a, a number of things that are important about the Declaration of Independence, and you know, Jeff has just talked about uh, some of them. And uh, you know, I just wanted to point out that the Declaration of Independence largely is a list of all of the bad things 
that the British crown had done that um, that gave rise to the colonists thinking that they needed at that point in time uh, because they went on resolve problems that they uh, you know they were just a list a, a compilation of all the things that were a problem yeah the beginning like I said that first paragraph and the last paragraph were the the book ends but everything in between was the meat of the complaints and the reason for seeking the freedom that we now have. And the interesting thing, and this is the point I wanted to make about this, so it's sort of a laundry list of all these bad things that the, the British crown had done or, and um, that affected the colonies. Um, so there's, And it's a fairly extensive list. But as I was looking down that list, I, I started to realize that, there are, that our current government is doing some of the things that we found offensive back in 1776. Exactly. So, and they're doing so. There's there's just some of them. That's not the entire laundry list of things, but some of them. And and you think about, you know, where is it? You know, what was the reason? What was the tipping point of the Declaration of Independence? Why did they actually end up signing that? You know, there was this laundry list of things that's been going on for a number of years, et cetera. They've you know tried to petition the the uh, Crown to to make changes, et cetera. They get no response to it. Does that sound interesting? Uh, and kind of uh, as what we're having now, we've been, you know, we've had yeah. large numbers of the population saying, hey, balance the budget, but it's never happened. We've mm -hmm. had a lot, you know, large numbers of people saying, you know, you need to have term limits, but has that happened? No. Yeah. Um, have you, you know, there's a number of things that have taken place uh, in recent times that are just as egregious. And it's our internal government that's doing it. So, you know, it, it, but what was the tipping point? That was kind of what I, I was thinking when I was reading the Declaration of Independence this last time. And I came to the conclusion that really, truly, the uh, tipping point had to do with economics. When it became, you know, they could take some freedoms away and that wasn't going to affect a lot of people. But when you started to hit people in, in economically, when you were taxed, overtaxing them, when those they, they didn't have a say in how they were being taxed, uh, what the amount would be and how it was going to be spent. When you were saying that every single transaction had to have this stamp on it and you had to pay for that stamp to be on it. You know, the, all the imports that were being brought in or things that were being exported had to be taxed. Uh, and it got to the point where it built up so much that it was hurting the colonists economically. That was the tipping point that led to the Declaration of Independence and the Revolutionary War. And, you know, technically, if you take a look at where we stand today uh, in the United States, we're being damaged economically by, you know, inflation. We're being damaged by, uh, you know, taxation at high rates. Our money's uh, being spent in foreign wars. We're sending, you know, oil to uh, foreign countries that are our enemies, technically. Um, and we're being, you know, we, we have inflation going so high that, you know, gas prices have doubled and the cost of food has gone up, uh, et cetera. And you think to yourself, at what point in time are these economic things going to be so bad that you're going to have a large portion of the country say enough? You right. know, we're having a new declaration of independence and this is what it's going to be. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that when you look at the things that are in the body of the Declaration of Independence and what's going on today, it's amazing some of those parallels. And another one I was reading in the book of Isaiah this week, and we're talking about during the time 
when uh, Israel had already been taken captive, the northern part of the kingdom by the Assyrians, and what was left was Judah and Isaiah's prophet prophesying. The Assyrians are on the downfall. The Babylonians are on the rise. And Isaiah is an amazing prophet to me because he prophesied several things 100, 150, 200 years in advance. He prophesied about Babylon before it existed and them coming to Jerusalem. He prophesied about Cyrus and him releasing the Jews back to Israel and to Jerusalem. And, and I just love the wisdom in the prophet Isaiah. But this stood out to me. And here's what he wrote. And this was in their time. And remember Solomon said, history repeats itself. Our courts oppose the righteous and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets and honesty has been outlawed. Yes, truth is gone. And anyone who renounces evil is attacked. Does that sound like today? Even the national media is having a big problem on figuring out what to do how to gain back trust of American people. But I'm here to tell you, I don't think it's ever going to come back because people do not believe they tell the truth. They know they lie. They know they distort the facts for their own political agendas. And we have a problem in America. We have a problem with going back to the absolute truth of being a Judeo-Christian nation, honesty, integrity, and character. And that's going to be important coming up in the next elections. But the solemn part of the Declaration of Independence is, you know, we have our Fourth of July celebrations. I love them. We have parades. We do all the fun things. You know, you have the hot dog eating contest in New York and you have fireworks and you have all kinds of concerts on the plaza in Washington, D.C. and Macy's up in New York. We have all these wonderful things and they're a great time of celebration. But I think reflecting back on the true patriotism of how this nation was built is lost. And we have to get back to that. And Cliff, I hope what you're saying with these parallel things starting to happen and inflation rising, like we had the report of 9.1, and that's the highest it's been since 1981, just released. People are starting to feel the pinch of the, the ineptness of government and the fraud and the corruption and the bribes and the things that are going there with just less than a thousand people. And I hope it's the beginning of a wake up call. I hope the Supreme Court's decision to send the abortion uh, issue back to the states is just the beginning of us to see our courts turning around, turning around to truth and that honesty, character and justice and that declaration of independence and those men that signed it means so much to me and means so much to America because they were willing to stand and die and lose everything they had for what was right. And how many people do that now in America? How many of our political leaders do that? You know, not that many. And I think to a large extent, you know, I, I know you're kind of pessimistic about the fact that there are patriots out there that are willing to stand up and take action. No, I but think I, they're there, but what's going to motivate them? I mean, they're the majority, but they're silent. How do we get them alive and start to stand up and do what we need to do to take our country back? Well, I think there's a couple of things that are occurring. And, you know, one of the things is this, uh, this wokeness that has occurred across the United States. I think 
what what you have now is a situation where it's almost going to implode upon itself. It's gotten to the point of being so ridiculous it can't no it can no longer support itself because it's so illogical. There's no logic to anything that they uh, that they talk about, um, and and the things you know the the differing pronouns and that men can get pregnant, you know, those types of things are so far out of the mainstream that I think you're going to have a lot of people pushing back on those things. And, you know, I think people are starting to realize that, you know, there's there's a two-tiered justice system in the United States and it has to stop. That right. you have people in, in the upper reaches of government that are able to take bribes from, you know, uh, foreign countries and then act uh, to the detriment of the U.S. citizens to benefit those foreign countries, and nothing's being done about it. And the and the media won't even talk about it because they're as corrupt, and as you indicated, they've lost a lot of credibility, which they may never ever uh, fully be able to gain back. No. So I think there's a there's a lot of things that have, are building up, and once you get to the, I mean, it's the same thing that you saw in the Declaration of Independence. It wasn't just one thing that caused it to occur. It's this building up of multiple grievances over, you know, a significant period of time. And we're having that same thing take place today. There's multiple grievances that are being stacked on top of one another. And eventually it gets to the point where people are like, enough is enough, you know. And I think in 2022, you're going to start to see, you know, during the elections, I think you're going to start to see a lot of pushback. I'm hopeful that Republicans take both back back both the House of Representatives and the United States Senate uh, so that they can stop, you know, the Biden administration from taking some of the actions that they've been taking. And I think they need to investigate, uh, you know, the, the Biden administration at every single level. I mean, there's almost there's not there's almost not a single part of the Biden administration that is not corrupt and is not subject to being uh, impeached. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny that uh, there's a push and I uh, understand they get like a million um, uh, signatures on a petition to impeach uh, Clarence Thomas on the United States from the United States Supreme Court. Uh, but, you know, I think that you could if you petitioned uh, put a petition out there to say, you know, we should impeach Joe Biden or we should impeach Merrick. Merrick Garland or, um, you know, people like that that are in the administration, I think that you could easily get more than just a million signatures. You could get, oh, yeah. Yeah, ten, you know, tens of millions potentially of, uh, of signatures saying that these people ought to be impeached. And as you and I have previously talked about, you know, I've always been an advocate of once you win an election, uh, you just, you, you don't try to pursue your political enemies or the people that you defeated in those elections. Um, but this is a, I think we're in times now that are so unusual that we have to do that. People have to be held accountable. Uh, people have been getting away with way too much without any sort of consequences. You know, tank the economy, say that you're wanting to uh, increase energy production, but take every action that you can to prevent it from occurring. Try to, you know, convert to uh, the Green New Deal by, uh, you know, uh, fiat and ad administrative uh, process as opposed to trying to get it legislated. Um, and I don't know if you've heard recently about the, um, you know, the, the countries around the, the world who have like instituted some of the New Green Deal um, or Green New Deal. The, uh, you know, you have cu countries like Sri Lanka, the Netherlands, and, uh, you know, the, the Sri Lankan government, you don't hear this, but the Sri, Sri Lankan government has been overthrown just mm -hmm. within the last couple of weeks. 
Um, And a lot of it is a result of, you know, people on the verge of starving because they've instituted this uh, uh, Green New Deal kind of uh, policies. And it's resulted in, you know, production farming in Sri Lanka, which used to be able to support itself and export uh, food, now doesn't even have enough to to, uh, support its own country. Ghana, same thing is occurring. They're on the verge of revolution. In the Netherlands, um, you know, they're talking about they're making the restrictions so severe on farmers in the Netherlands that these family farms are like saying, hey, we're going to have to shut down. We're not going to be able to produce. So you have a country in the Netherlands that used to be a net exporter of food that now, you know, the, those uh, they're they're you know going to have zero emissions because they're going to be in the Stone Ages and not able to produce enough food to to support their own populations. And you're seeing that throughout all these countries that have instituted the policies that would be part of the, you know, Green New New Deal here in in the United States that is being, you know, foisted on us by, you know, fiat at this point in time, not by legislation. So those are the things I think that are going to ultimately build up to the point where people are going to say enough is enough. Um, you know, we're going to go uh, seize back the House of Representatives and the, and the Senate. The unfortunate part is that, you know, we have a lot of rhinos out there, people that would, you know, that say they're Republicans, but they're really not conservatives, that uh, they're, they're not going to, to help us uh, in any way, shape or form uh, change things. And, you know, we got to get a, uh, uh, you know, a, a president in power in 2024 that will work with the uh, Republican controlled um, House and Senate, hopefully, um, to be able to undo some of the damage that's being done currently. And you said some key things I want to reiterate. And the biggest thing is this. When we talked about those men in that room willing to sacrifice for the freedom of everyone, even though we hopefully have that wave where we take back the House and the Senate, we have to elect leaders that are willing to stand and make the sacrifice to lose all. And that means that they will speak up and they will expose those rhinos and they won't be afraid to stand, even if they're freshmen congressmen or senators. We need 21st century patriots like those in 1776 willing to make a sacrifice now so that America will still enjoy the freedom and independence we've enjoyed since that day in July, 1776. That is gonna be critical. Not only taking back the power in both houses of Congress, but the right people that will do the right thing and will return us to being the nation we were built to be. Remember, we were built to be a Judeo-Christian nation based on the principles and precepts of the Bible. They never said you had to be a Christian. They wished you would be a Christian. They wished you would believe in the same God they believe, but they gave you the freedom of religion, but they knew those precepts and principles are what this nation needed as a plumb line to exist, to be free. And I'm here to tell you the coming elections are important for the future of our nation. It matters on who we elect. We need those 21st century Minutemen, patriots, who will champion truth, honor, justice, integrity, the Constitution, and the foundation this country was built upon. We need to return to the original intent and meaning of our Constitution. 
We need to return to the plumb line of being a Judeo-Christian nation. I know some Christians say our main focus is Christ and his kingdom. And yes, that is absolutely the truth. That is our main focus. But God has given us great freedom, privilege, and blessing living in America. And that freedom has allowed us to share the blessing of the gospel and the fruits of this land around the world. You see, we're responsible and accountable to maintain that freedom, to continue to be that city on a hill, a light to the world. We must be involved in government and who is elected to lead this nation. Otherwise, complacency will lead to the loss of America and freedom, resulting in the extinguishment of that light as a country. Freedom lost in America is freedom lost in the world forever. That's why we at the American Constitutionalist champion a return to the original intent and meaning of our constitution. That's why we're not afraid to mix politics and religion. We want America to survive so that light of truth can prevail. Our nation can change. God can deliver us as a people, but it will take us getting back on our knees in fervent prayer and petition to God almighty to spare and even deliver us from what may come. Will you pray? Will you pray for America? Will you pray for our leaders? Will you seek God's divine hand of protection and blessing on America? The good news is even if we fail, God will prevail. His light will never be extinguished. In fact, it glows brighter in adversity. We can choose how we want to reveal that light. Do you want it in freedom or do you want it in bondage and adversity? Folks, it's time for patriot, a loving Judeo-Christian Americans and those who believe the same to stand up for the freedom God has blessed America with. He can change the heart of America, but it will take us electing leaders who will do what is right, according to the plumb line that has been set by our forefathers. Please help us share this podcast with as many Americans as you can. And we need to pray, America. May God continue to bless America from sea to shining sea. Stand with us at the American Constitutionalist, spreading the word of truth as we strive to continue to be one nation under God, indivisible with liberty, justice, and freedom for all. For Cliff DeCamp, this is Jeff Tokar, reminding you that we at the American Constitutionalist still support and believe in God, America, and freedom. Thank you.